The information in this podcast is not legal advice and should not be construed as such. It is for informational and educational purposes only. Welcome to Resource Sessions. I'm Gwendolyn Sturkis, Dirk Family Law, and I'm privileged to have attorney Seth Mattis, our friend with us today from Fish, Potter, and Balanos. We're going to talk about the top 10 things every employer should know. So, Seth, welcome. Thank you, Gwen. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. It's kind of exciting because I think that, you know, we don't always know where to start. And there's so much information and so many different things you have to know when you're running a business that really understanding employment law is a critical to where we go forward. So what would you say is the first thing that every employer needs to know? So, Gwen, you're right. There's so many things we could talk about. But... I'm going to start out with some really basic, basic items that employers should know. And the very first one I'm going to talk about is understanding what is truly meant by an employee. Now, that seems simple. That seems dumb. Everybody knows what an employee is. But like everything, there's a lot of nuances and areas in which companies find themselves getting trapped. So on this regard, how or in this regard, how often do you hear companies or employers talk about, well, I have 1099 employees. There's no such thing as a 1099 employee. Either you have an employee or you have an independent contractor. Now, an independent contractor would be coming in for a very specific purpose. It would not be someone who was working with your company for years on end. It would not be someone who you control everything that person does. Regardless of whether you're paying the payroll taxes and all that for a person like that, it's still an employee. And that's one thing which I think employers are really getting themselves tripped up on. And what ends up happening is that you can have a number of times in which you know someone who you think is a 1099 starts suing you for being an employee and not getting benefits and not getting paid overtime and things like that um so it truly is something if you have any questions about you know is someone there been there for a long time don't don't assume that person is a 1099 employee and you don't have to worry about any of the employment laws. Right. And you need to seek legal advice about that because I think that sometimes even if they're short term, there's a very fine line. And you talked about the issue of control, which is really important. But that kind of ties into the next issue of number two in terms of your top 10 list with gets to what is an at-will employee? So... At-will employment is a really basic but important concept. And again, it gets nuanced. So what we mean by at-will is that as an employer, you can discharge the employee at any time. You don't have to give notice. You don't have to have a reason. But the flip side, they have the same right. They don't have to give you notice when they're leaving. And they can quit at any time for any reason. You mean they don't have to give me the full two weeks? They don't have to give you two weeks when there is nothing that requires them under the law to do that. 
And so the only exceptions that you're going to have are really rare. You may have a few employees who are absolutely key and you give those people some kind of employment contract that says you're going to be employed from X date to X date. That would be one exception. The other exception would be sometimes if you're a, a union company and you have a collective bargaining agreement. In those cases, the collective bargaining agreement might say that you have to go through some kind of process before you can let somebody go. But aside from that, every single person who you have as an employee is terminable at will. And they can also leave it at will. Right. And that's the flip side of it. Very interesting. Yeah. So I think that that leads us to the next category of what do you have to do to understand discrimination? I would think that's real critical. So that is, you know, we talk about at will employment right? and you have all this freedom. But then when we start talking about discrimination, these are some of the limitations that all employers need to be thinking about. So I just told you about how you have the ability to terminate any person for any reason, any time, or no reason. But, you know, of course, you need to know as an employer what all the protected categories are. Race, sex, age, disability. So, of course, under the law, if you're firing people for those reasons, that's something which is going to be prohibited. And you really need to sort of be thinking about when you are deciding to, to fire someone or lay somebody off. Is there any kind of possibility that I'm opening myself up to a discrimination lawsuit? And if there is that possibility, you need to be thinking about, is there any kind of double standard that person can point to? If we're laying someone off for tardiness, well, was there a white male uh, employee who has been off more, et cetera? You need to go through that kind of analysis. and. You know, if that is out there, you should really be thinking about, am I exposing myself to some sort of discrimination claim? So almost like at will, but. Yes, right? that's right. right. And that's that right. To the next statement, but employees but, also have the right to have certain speech, right? They're protected in some of their speech. And this is Talk the next exception. <laughs> Absolutely. So employers need to also understand you know, there could be times where an employee might badmouth the company. Employee might be going and trying to, you know, talk to coworkers about how, you know, some sort of work condition, pay is lousy. Um, you know, the employer is treating me unfairly. Or it could also be a situation where maybe the employee goes out and goes to the police, goes to someone in government hey, the company is breaking the law. Now, we're talking about two types of speech which are entirely protected. When the employee is going and, you know, talking to his coworkers or her coworkers sure. and trying to get, you know, talking about work conditions, that's something which is protected by something called the National Labor Relations Act. Okay. And, you know, uh, it, it doesn't just apply to unions. It applies to these types of situations. Um, the second type, where you have someone who goes to the police or who goes to the government, that's whistleblowing. 
And in either instance, those are protected categories. And an employer can really get into trouble if the employer takes action against that person. So again, another limitation on at-will employment. Right. And sometimes you might not always know what's going on as the employer, but you just need to be aware that that's not a basis for termination, right? Absolutely not. Yeah. You need to really be cautious. So now let's say you want to do something about it, but you could get in, tr in trouble, right, for retaliatory discharge. So that seems to be the fifth concept or a concern that's out there as well. That's number five. So retaliatory discharge is exactly that type of situation in which you're taking action against an employee because he or she has done something which is protected. And so we've just talked about one, you know, an employee who is out there speaking to government officers or the police. There's another one which is recognized under the law and it's a little different. But what happens if you have an employee who is making a claim for workers' compensation. And in that situation, you know, an employer also needs to be very careful if they're going to be discharging that person while they have a pending or threatened workers' compensation claim. Uh, the law says that that person, again, is in a protected category. And, you know, if it's proven that that's the reason why you terminated the employee, you're going to be liable to the employee. So that's another type another of Another but, okay. right. I'm at yeah. will but, right. At will but. At, at will but. But. if you have any questions about it, you really should seek legal advice before you go on that termination route. You can really, assess, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can find yourself really with a lot of liability in those situations. Mm -hmm. Be very careful. Now, we've talked about the areas where the employee is protected in terms of against discrimination, against speech, retaliatory discharge, but they also have certain privileges that come from working as well. So I wanted to ask you about the pay laws in Illinois. Tell yeah. me about that as number six. So there are two things that we really need to be focused on, or employers need to really be focused on. So number one, I think everybody knows about overtime laws. But the concept that when you are a non-exempt employee, and I'll explain that in a second, you are supposed to get paid overtime after you've worked 40 hours in a work week. Um, there are so many employers who get themselves caught up or trapped because they don't follow that. I mean, I can tell you that there are dozens of cases where Employer said, oh, all these people are 1099 employees. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. You're going to get yourself in trouble. Um, there's been plenty of cases in which employers say an employee is exempt. And that sometimes can work, but you need to really be very careful. So when we talk about an exempt employee, there's a couple of things that need to be kept in mind. First of all, the employee can't be paid an hourly wage. You can't pay them by the hour. They instead need to be receiving a salary. And you need to be aware of what the minimum salary is. At this point, it's over $40,000 a year. If you're paying less, it's right. not going to work. Right. Not going to work. 
Now, number two, the employee needs to have certain types of job duties. I mean, they talk about the white collar exemption, uh, those exemptions. And so that would be someone who is a manager. That would be someone who is a secretary or performing executive secretary type functions. That could be attorneys. But in all those instances, they truly that that needs to be the main focus of their job. And again, there's a lot of nuance. You know, we don't have time to go through it all within this podcast, but you need to be very cautious before you say, oh, that person is definitely exempt. Got it. Sometimes you can come back and, and oops, that's not right. And right. the penalties for that are really pretty bad. They're significant in comparison to getting that advice up front. Exactly. So, right. So now we talk about, we're still on that employee privileges. So one is yeah. the pay laws. And number seven within that concept of our top 10 would be the leave of absence laws, which are significant today. Well, know? yeah. you know, we just talked about that when in our last podcast, there's a brand new law, which is the Paid Leave for All Workers Act, which basically means that any employer needs to provide employees with at least five days off per year paid for any purpose whatsoever. And so I'm not going to rehash that, but that is now the law in Illinois. It doesn't matter if we're talking about full-time or part-time or even temporary employees. If they're there for a set you know, minimum time, they're entitled to that law. Yeah. Now, beyond that, I think a lot of employers have had, um, you know, we talk about vacation policies. Um, employers have had those much longer. And when it comes to that, you know, one of the things that they need to know is that, let's suppose you have an employee who doesn't use all of his or her vacation and then quits. You need to make sure you pay out that person for all the unused leave. That's number that two. Very painful though for some. That can be painful if you have. I mean, I've had cases where people worked for twenty years and never took a vacation, and ooh boy. Yeah. Um, and then number three, mostly concerns larger employers, but if you have a company that has more than fifty people, fifty or more, you could also potentially be covered by what's known as the Family Medical Leave Act, and under that law. An employee who's been there for a set period of time, um, you know, it's typically a year and they need to work a certain amount of hours in that year, gets up to 12 weeks off per year of unpaid leave. And they need to do that, like if they have like illness or, you know, certainly a pregnant employee, you know, childbirth. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons underneath that. There's a lot of reasons, absolutely. Absolutely. And that could be its own podcast and something that people need to be aware of, right? So sure. those are those laws that protect the individuals, but there's also a protection against sexual harassment. And I think that's an area where employers need to make sure that they're covering themselves. Tell us what's best to do. Okay. So when I'm talking about sexual harassment, I mean, I think everybody instinctively knows what it is, but certainly it's taking, it's taking action against someone based on their sex whether it's actually, you know, getting as, as uh, extreme as groping 
but even you know pictures cat calling all those sorts of things which are you know targeted towards a person's sex that's prohibited but what i recommend that employers do is they need to have a sexual harassment policy and the reason why they need to do that is that this is one of the very few areas of the law where an employer can take steps to protect themselves from discrimination claims. Harassment is a form of discrimination. But if you have a sexual harassment policy, which you know allows employees who have complaints to make a complaint, to have it investigated, and to have effective action occur, right. that is going to be something which allows an employer to defeat any type of harassment claim. So that's something which is really critical where you, if you're proactive, you have something which is a great defense. And you know, there's a new part to that too. Ever since actually the start of 2023, employers are required to you know, give employees sexual harassment training Right. One hour of sexual harassment training per year. So that's something which we need to do as a matter of law. But in addition, there is a carrot to that. If you do that, you know, we, we talked about the discrimination laws. There's also a law called the Gender Violence Act, which is another type of way that employees can sue for sexual harassment and similar things. But if you have gone and provided employees with that training, it's also a defense to any kind of claim under that law. So by doing this, by adopting a sexual harassment policy, by you know providing training, you're protecting your company. 100%, yeah, I understand that. Well, now we get to the next one. What about having the paid time off? So with that one, what we're talking about is if you have some kind of vacation time PTO policy, then you can really control when employees are going to use it and how they can use it and what they have to do. So how many employers have had situations where an employee comes up, oh, I need off today. You know, oh yeah, I'm going on vacation. They haven't followed any of the procedures. You, you, you know, your work schedule is thrown off. If you have a policy you can control all those expectations and you channel it. So that's also something, in addition to a sexual harassment policy, I recommend any employer adopt. And Just so you don't have those kind of hassles. Yeah, so I have a full employee manual, actually, right? If you go to that, I mean, that's a whole nother level. Yes, right. that, that's protection. But at very least, have a sexual harassment policy and have a, you know, a PTO or vacation policy. And then overall, you know, are you're giving your top 10 and you talked about all these different areas that employers need to know about. What's your 10th tip to all of them to try to provide protection to their own entity and their company? Absolutely. And so it's simple, but a lot of employers just never do. So every employer, every company probably has some kind of comprehensive general liability policy, a CGL policy. Mm -hmm. But you can also get insurance that covers discrimination claims specifically. And that's called EPLI insurance, Employee Practices Liability Insurance. If you look at your insurance coverage under a, a you know, general policy, you're going to see exemptions. 
They don't cover any type of discrimination suit. EPLI insurance does. And so it's just a simple thing that you can do. You can talk to your insurance broker, but you know, these are costly lawsuits. You know, the possible exposure is really pretty hefty. And then paying for an attorney to defend you Happy. is really pretty expensive. Right. And so you might as well have insurance like you would for any other kind of risk. This, this is exactly another area where you can protect yourself. And I recommend that every employer do so. Right. And it's really the cost of doing business. You know, if you look at it from that perspective, because whether you think that you've done it or not, anybody can sue and anybody can raise that claim. And it may be that you thought that something was okay and it really isn't, you know, yeah. I mean, without putting any kind of fault or blame on someone, having that protection there, I think is really critical. And you're right, it's not covered, but you should consider it as part of your overall plan. And I will give my tip. So you gave your top 10 tips as an employee lawyer um, for employers. And my tip as an employer is to have an employee employment law attorney on speed dial, because unless you have that relationship, these situations are going to come. And instead of scrambling, when you have that situation arise, having an employment attorney available to answer those questions and help navigate you through that situation, I think can be real critical. It's a small cost in comparison to taking action that you can't then take back. So that's my tip. So you had 10, I have one. And Seth, we really appreciate it because anybody listening today who's running a small business or thinking of opening a small business, or maybe they have a larger company, these are all critical things that need to occur. So thanks for your time today. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks, Gwen. Have a good day. Thank you. To learn more or to connect with Stirk Family Law Group or Gwendolyn J. Stirk, call 815-600-8950 or visit sterkfamilylaw.com. The information in this podcast is not legal advice and should not be construed as such. It is for informational and educational purposes only.